0: I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness.
1: I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk.
0: Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today, we're talking to Verlin Darrow about his book Prodigy Quest, which has just come out, I believe. And... Verlin is an interesting human because he is, in fact, a psychotherapist. So we'll try not to be too weird on this podcast, oh, but we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, Well, don't make me diagnose you. You know, if you, if you piss me off. Next thing you know, you're going to have a diagnosis. I'll put it on your insurance record. It'll dog you. For yes. the rest of your life.
1: <laughs> and according to his bio, that's only part of what's interesting about him. Oh, my gosh. So much fun stuff.
0: Yeah, tell me, tell me what else you found interesting, because I've got a couple.
1: Let's see here. Um, well, the can heal with hands. I'm thinking that might be Reiki.
2: Uh, it's sure. like Reiki, but it happened kind of spontaneously. I, I never got a transmission from a Reiki teacher or took a Reiki class, and I, I'm really not sure if it's the same thing or not, but it seems to have about the same net effect.
1: Excellent. And then the thing that I applaud you for more than anything is you rescued a dog that fell through the ice. So yay.
2: Yes, I had to go out and lay on the ice and crawl across. (laughs) And my poor parents were just frozen with fear in the sideline. But it was my dog. And you can't watch your dog die. No, You can't watch your dog die in front of you without doing something. So you know, they're running around looking for long sticks or whatever. And, you know, I grab his legs and you know, we just kind of barely did it. The ice is cracking under me. And, you know, we could have both easily died, but I didn't even think. I just did it.
0: Well, that's good. Okay. Yes. So if anyone out there wants to option the movie, um, contact <laughs> us. We'll get you in touch. There you there oh, you and go.
1: there's a lot of action involved because he missed being blown up by Mount St. Helens by 10 minutes and survived the Mexico City earthquake. Yeah. So you got a lot of things you could throw the rock in there on, you know.
2: That's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> that's the truth. I think he probably could have, you know, taken care of that earthquake or that volcano, you know, just with his bare fists. But for me it was <laughs> I was just kind of along for the ride.
1: But but your bio reads like so many great authors because we dabble in so many things. And I don't think non-authors get how much we just sort of, we were just all over the board on on the things that we're interested in and jump into.
2: Yeah. Well, especially in the first half of my life, there really wasn't any continuity. I I would try this and sort of use it up and go for it in a total kind of way. And there'd be like a little era of my life with four or five years of doing X or Y or Z and then boom onto the next one and boom onto the next one until I finally, you know, settled on the writing and the and the psychotherapy is the ones that stuck to my ribs. But as a result of taking that approach, I really have gotten myself in a lot of trouble and, and gotten in gotten a lot of weird situations and been through a lot of stuff and had a lot of careers. And it is all useful for both of the things I'm doing now for writing and for for being a therapist, I think, because there's just there's not that much going on with other people that I haven't experienced myself one way or the other, you know
0: but but psychotherapy is not a thing that you just do like you don't just wake up one morning and go oh yes now i'll be a psychotherapist that takes some dedication to get to a level of being able to do that right
2: actually my my version of getting into it is even worse than than waking up one day and deciding to be a therapist i had a a guru at the time i was a disciple Mm -hmm. of this guru guy like the first disciple so i got to be like the assistant uh chief guy of this little cult and stuff we didn't think of it as cult and it was pretty benign but anyway, that was one of the errors of my life. And I was done with a certain circumstance. My girlfriend left me. He had had me uh, starting up an import store up here in Northern California, not because I wanted to, but because he told me to. That's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you're surrendered and you just follow orders, which is
1: interesting Okay, so an interesting the, the benign, not cult leader had you start an import <laughs> store?
2: He did. <laughs> and then when my partner, the partner decided to... Every time one of my partners go to India, they come back and they want to break up with me. So he Aww. took my partner to India. She came back. She wanted to break up. And he said, well, do you want to keep doing this store on your own? And I said, you know, normally I don't have this level of volition with this guy. I said, well, I never wanted to do the store. You just told me to. And he said, good. OK, well, here's what I want you to do next. Become a therapist. I'd never taken a psychology class. I'd never thought about being a therapist. I didn't know anything about it. And I said, you're sure I'm not so crazy that, you know, my stuff wouldn't be in the room kind of mixed in with whoever I'm working with. He said, oh, by the time you finish with school, you'll be fine. You're not that crazy anymore. So then I thought, well, where am I going to go to school? I don't know anything about this. And he said, make a list of all the priorities and and values associated with this, like where it is, how much it costs, how long it takes. And whatever the top one is, just go with that one. Don't pay any attention to all the rest. So I decided I wanted whatever was closest to the, the town I wanted to live in, which is Santa Cruz, California here. Uh, and I called the place and they didn't have it. And I said, you know, another place. And they did have it. So I called up and said, OK, you're the closest. one. can I start? And they said, well, we have another quarter starting next Tuesday. This was like on a Monday or something. And I said, oh, that's a shame. So I'd have to wait for it to come around again. And and they said, well, tell us a little bit about your background. I already had a master's in education from when I was a, a college coach and a college gym teacher, one of these careers I was doing. And so she said, well, why don't you come in and talk to the dean? We'll see. So I went in and I just chatted with this guy. And he said, okay, you can start Tuesday. So I was in the thing within less than a week and a half. I was now embarked on this new career without any volition around it. And I didn't even know when I got the degree what all the little letters after my name stood for, for the first two weeks I was there. <laughs> is that ridiculous? Is that ridiculous or what? But here's the weird part. The guru was absolutely right. And it was perfect for me. And thank God he shoved me into doing that because I don't think I would have happened onto it on my own. I, I wouldn't have had the hubris to think, oh, I can be this wise, helpful guy sitting in a room, you know?
1: So is he still advising you on stuff or?
2: Once I uh, moved back to town from the, from the import store to go to school uh ironically he sent me to be a, a therapist and i discovered from going to therapy school and hanging around with him more closely um that he was kind of delusional at the same time <laughs> that he was spiritual <laughs> and so while it's a he was fine time, line <laughs> it really is and actually the whole reason i got into it is that i thought it was an either or thing and there was too much real spiritual stuff to dismiss so therefore he couldn't be crazy but it turns out they go together all the time a lot of crazy people who are also very spiritual. it's kind of oh yeah, you know destabilizing to you know get into weird stuff, however much the weird stuff might be real. So he went off on a trip and, and called and said, "How's everybody doing?" And I said, "You know, we're doing just fine, you don't need to come back." And I graduated <laughs> myself and everybody else out of the thing, and then I went about ten years and had nothing to do with the guy, both from having leftover feelings. Um, the other thing my wife left me for this guy while he was my guru, which complicated matters. Oh. <laughs> It's, it's been a very weird life trust did me did they go to india opera. for that yes <laughs> yes in fact and i and i did too and by the end of that trip she was gone so so anyway uh, i graduated everybody out of the thing it took me about 10 years to sort of uh let go of my feelings and sort of feel as though well i'm not i would not be susceptible to any of his stuff anymore um and then i i you know started writing him letters and told him i forgave him and He apologized, and we've been friends ever since. Now he's an an acupuncturist uh, in another part of the country uh, doing a lot of energy stuff with, with what he can do.
0: Side note to the listeners, if any of that sounded entertaining or interesting to you, you should probably read Prodigy Quest because it's not at all his life story, but every little piece that he just mentioned is sort of woven into this in different interesting ways. Which brings me to my question. How much of this book do you feel like is your like subconscious mind sort of working through things? And how much of it is, I'm writing a story because stories?
2: You know, those two are always mixed together for me. Most of the plot and dialogue seems to fall out of me from somewhere that's not all that conscious. And when I was looking for a main character, I actually settled on an exaggerated version of me as a 10-year-old, because I was this kind of nutty full-of-myself kid that could memorize, you know, I memorized uh, the Guinness Book of World Records and the prices in the Sears catalog. And I thought that knowing things made me better than other people. Mm. And I I just decided, you know, if we were going to have a character that was put in this particular circumstance, which was finding out that his past lives have a mission for him to finish in his lifetime, and that there's a book of wisdom he has to go on a quest to get, it's like, I didn't want it to be a therapist again, because I've used therapists as main characters in other books. There is one in this book. But instead, I thought, what would be an interesting person? And I realized I can channel that 10-year-old really easy. I still got that snottiness in me somewhere. I still got that (laughs) grandiosity in me somewhere. It's under control a lot better than when I was 10. And so a lot of what the guy does and says is kind of like just putting myself in his shoes and thinking, how would I deal with that? And then the other main character is, in fact, a therapist. And, and that's modeled after if I was a therapist in that situation, how would I handle that? So, so both of those characters are really aspects of me. And certainly the way the character has to go through changes to shift from being sort of snotty and clueless and immature about the things that really matter to developing some compassion, uh, to, to starting to understand life at a deeper level. I mean, I've had to go through that. My version was like, you know... 20-year version because I was a very slow learner and his is compressed because (laughs) all the trauma in the book sort of forces them to gather tools and skills and go through changes just to stay alive but it's the same general idea it's like and and how much bubbles up and how much is really choiceful consciously I, I couldn't say I just start with the two ideas it's like what if there were past lives and what if the character was 10 and everything else just Just kind of flows from there. And every now and then I get stuck and I have to really consciously think how to get out of this plot corner that I back myself into. But but most of the time it it just rolls along.
1: So is there any humor at all in the book? Because the blurb kind of had kind of a slight humor, but like the interstate scavenger sounded. It it, it does.
2: It does. Yeah, it's funny. It has a pretty fair amount of humor. It is well, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I read it.
0: I read it. it, I thought it was funny. (laughs) Oh
2: oh, well, thank you. It's sort of boastful to sit here and say. Oh yes, I'm hilarious, and all my characters are funny too. But I I couldn't write anything that wasn't at least uh, at least funny, at least quirky. At least uh, there's one or two characters that keep interjecting things that sort of I uh, I don't know sort of getcha in that department. I mean that's just the way my mind works as well.
1: I figured that when I read your um your bio at the bottom, it was you had written some other. Like kids' books earlier, like yeah. nightmares are caused by bad dust bunnies. and Yes,
2: that was a terrific book, <laughs> but nobody wanted to publish it, strangely.
1: You should try that again, because yeah. on title alone,
2: that I mean, and – That's what I'm thinking. Who could beat the title?
1: The dog that burped his way to Jupiter. I'm on yes. board.
2: Yes. <laughs> now, that, that was suggested to me by someone – the original suggestion was the dog that farted his way to Mars. But I thought, <laughs> i got to clean this up. i got to clean this up. This up. So I went oh, no, with, kids I would love that. Books. Well, I, maybe I should have kept farted because that one didn't get published either.
1: But my son was reading these kind of books. Those are exactly the kind of titles he would have gone for. So try now it again.
2: You, now you tell me.
0: <laughs> There's always time to publish another book.
2: That That's true. And I'm always working on projects, too. Uh, at that time, you know, kind of my my writing level was like a fifth grade level. That That fell out of me pretty naturally. <laughs> now I have to work a little bit to simplify and get it back to the fifth graders but it, it it was good it was good it, you know, it just process. gives your life it gives your life a lot of meaning to have something like a big creative project brewing uh, as you're going through the rest of what you're doing whether it gets published or not it's just as a lifestyle it really works for me
1: so with project quest coming out this month are you already starting on your next project
2: uh, yeah i you know there's always a delay with uh, when you get something done and when it really turns into you know, a book book. So I'm about 140 pages into a, another young adult one. Um, in, in this case, somebody has gotten sucked into a cult uh, without fully understanding who these people are. And there's a competing cult. And there's people who are purporting to either be government agents or space aliens. And, you know, it's, at this point, it's all mixed up. And I don't know how it's going to turn out either.
1: Ooh, So you're a pantser?
2: I mean, uh, yes, exactly.
1: Excellent.
2: Very very much so.
1: I, I now want to read this other one. I know. I'm, I'm all about cults and UFOs. Let's go. <laughs> oh,
2: check, out, check out Coattail Karma, which was the one before this. that, that is is like a fantasy thriller. He's, it's a, a guy, uh, an Asian therapist who's told he's a clone of Buddha. And he Ooh. gets kidnapped in New Zealand. And then he has to go to India and does he become enlightened and is he like trying to work through his problems as an enlightened person or is that a crock and who are these people and what's going on and they're chased all over the world. And it's, it's, it's a really wild book. If you, if you, if you're into sort of what can be done with cults, it takes the whole thing much further. Cool. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you about the end. And this is not a spoiler the end of prodigy quest there is some some deep uh, philosophical appendix, let's call it that, so we don't, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: How did you decide what went into the appendix and what didn't? Is this just like accumulated knowledge of your life, or how did you do that?
2: Um, it's, it's mostly accumulated knowledge, but I tried to gear it a little bit uh, so that it would refer back to things that were within the book as as part of the plot or things that people said in dialogue. And my idea was, you know, if there's a kind of scavenger hunt and let's assume that at the end of the scavenger hunt, something was found without giving too much away, it'd be a pretty frustrating book if it was a scavenger hunt that went on forever with no resolution. Uh, My thought was how annoying is it to f- people to scavenge for things, and then the the reader have no access to it, it, it they're just told, "Oh yeah, we got this book of wisdom, and there 's a lot of good stuff in it so I just thought <laughs> let's let's look at the compendium of all the writings i 've done, the thoughts i've had let 's try and put together some package it 's not long enough to be a book that that sort of represents the world according to Verlin, my idea of what is useful, wise, helpful information about how to live your life and how to understand life and it's the kind of stuff you sneak in as a therapist here or there as it arises when you're working with people but this is what's just all like let's write it all down and not worry how dense it is or or if it's reader friendly let's just 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 write it down and stick it in there and maybe a few intrepid people will go through it that was my thought i figured very few readers would really read that part they might kind of check it out and and there are some cool aphorisms that i I, i've made up over the years that are that i and I gathered a bunch of scratch papers all, from all around the different piles in my house and, and compiled the list at some point. And that, I think, is, is is a pretty easy-to-read helpful thing. Awesome.
0: I did. I enjoyed this book. Yeah. And we will do uh, a separate book review, uh, so I won't subject you to my book review. But uh, the quick answer is people should read this because it's good.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I wish all reviews were just short to the point like that, basically.
1: As far as the author side of things, do you, do you do your own editing, your own cover design? I'm always curious as to how indie authors do their stuff.
2: Well, thankfully, Wild Rose Press has really good editors and uh, uh, like five or six cover artists. You can look oh. through their work and decide which one you want to do your cover. The, I, I go back and forth a lot and I participate more in the cover design probably than I ought to because some of my ideas turn out to be real stinkers and need to be changed <laughs> later. And then the publisher kind of gets mad at me that i didn 't just go along with what they came up with in the first place, so I, I consider myself to have a good eye around things like graphics and stuff but it it turns out I really don 't not, not for book covers uh, but but the uh, you know the editor's a really good editor i mean she she catches me doing some kind of typical writing mistakes. I add a lot of extra thats you know uh, mm. I, I tend to um not have enough attribution as to which person's talking. So you can get lost when you go through it. It's like, I know these things and I try and stay after it. But you know, the reason I make these mistakes is I have sort of blind spots in these areas where I, I'm not as aware of that as I ought to be. And so it's really helpful. And occasionally let will just say something like, you know, I don't find this part of the book believable or in this chapter, you call the character Jan. And then three chapters later, you're calling him bud. Uh, what's the deal here? You know, I mean, there's <laughs> oh. just a lot of things.
1: I feel that one.
2: Really? There's a lot of things that professional <laughs> editors really help with. So I, I have found that great. Prior to publishing with them, I occasionally, once or twice, I hired like a freelance editor to go over a manuscript that I thought was really good, but I couldn't get anybody interested in. And those were helpful as well, but I didn't find any of those people as, as good at their job. Um, the person I worked with, her name was Eileen uh, McKenzie. And uh, I happened on, on her by luck because she edits mostly like. Historical books and romance books and stuff, yeah. but the editor that does the kind of books that I do, who turns out probably wouldn't have liked it, uh, was on family leave, and this other one was reading her manuscripts that were coming in in the meantime, and she really liked it. And then it turns out that once you're hooked up with one, you stay with that same editor through thick and thin. So, uh, you know, the universe arranged a match up there that that's worked out great. And I, I don't know that they would have taken my book otherwise.
0: Well, we're glad that they did because I really enjoyed it. And we will talk about this on another episode of Indie Book Talk. But before we get to that, um, I want to give you an opportunity to tell readers where they can find you because I don't really see a way to contact you in your book. What am I missing? How do they find you if they want to follow what you're up to?
2: Uh, I have a website, which is verlandero.com. Um okay. I'm fine if people want to email me. Uh, my email is verlandero at gmail, uh, dot com, And um, technically I have a Twitter thing, which uh, the person I hired <laughs> to do PR really is, is doing my Twitter for the most part. I've looked at it like two or three times. I, I don't like social media. I just sort of mm. ethically, I feel like it's changing the world into a worse place. And I have trouble participating in anything that feels even slightly creepy to me. I mean, not that other people should think of it that way, but, But for me, it's just I haven't really wanted to get involved with it, so I don't have Facebook. Uh, I do technically have Twitter, Um, but best way is probably uh, you know just emailing me, going to my website Uh, on Amazon. There's you know an author's page, all the information there about how to stay in contact. Uh, Basically, you know if you buy books online, this book is everywhere online where you would buy a book.
1: So that brings up a a question. What do you do in terms of marketing or do you leave that all to your publisher? Uh,
2: A publisher doesn't do much. And that's one of the problems with this particular publisher. They treat their authors really well, but they don't have any budget for publicity. And if you want to do extra publicity stuff, it comes out of your own pocket and they'll, you know, you you can work through them out of your own pocket, but you probably do better working outside of the restrictions of what they happen to be tuned into. So for the mystery I wrote, um, which was blood and wisdom. Uh, I hired someone that was a specialist in mysteries and Ah. didn't really pay a lot of money, paid her, uh, I think for 20 hours of her time or whatever. And, you know, I got to be a finalist in a contest and I I was interviewed on various blogs and this and that. But, you know, when you, when you counted the whole thing up, it probably amounted to like 80 books um, for an amount of money that 80 books of course certainly didn't repay. Then in the next one, I tried a small amount of advertising that didn't seem to make any difference. Um, This time I had more spare change laying around. So I I hired a a, a sort of more generic PR company that does books uh, exclusively. And it's been a little bit more of a whole hog kind of thing, such as them reaching out to you and setting this up. But once again, I don't know how much it's translated into increased sales. I I just sort of feel like I want to give these books a chance to be read by a bunch of people. I'm not Mm -hmm. really in it for the money at this point. I, I don't necessarily need more money. It's not about that. It's about if I am going to take the time to do this, and I feel like it has good messages in it. I'd like it to have a shot at sort of being out in the world and and being able to influence people in a positive way more than more than one hundred people, more than a thousand people, as many as it could be. Uh, and I can't say I've been successful with that. I, I don't think I have been. Uh, you know, I am not done with this campaign yet, and we'll see if the book happens to take off as, as some time goes along. You know, once you get one, then then people are. Interested right. in your other ones too. You just um, got to get
1: your name out there somehow, any way you yeah. can, and then find your yeah. people. Like, oh, that, yes.
2: <laughs> and here we are. And you know, I was told you guys had 33 million uh, listeners. So, oh, uh,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. All right. So before we wrap up here, Shelly, do you have any last questions? Because I have a last question. No, I'm good. You go. Okay. My last question is totally putting you on the spot. If you could share a piece of wisdom with all our many millions of listeners. One thing, what would you tell them?
2: I would say one sentence that I encountered in a book by a man called Stephen Batchelor. Anguish emerges from craving for life to be other than it is. I think there's a lot in that. Each word, I think, is carefully selected. I'm going to say it one more time. Anguish emerges from craving for life to be other than it is. That is the root of so many people's extra suffering on top of the mandatory suffering that's built into life.
1: Mandatory suffering built into life. That's an interesting sentence.
2: Yes, I, I, there's no getting around it, but we layer on these optional sufferings on top of that simply because of the way we're relating to the other part.
0: I kind of love that. I now want to opt out of optional suffering. Thank you.
1: I know. I'm like, wait a minute.
2: I, <laughs> Why not? Huh? I choose not? not to.
0: <laughs> Unsubscribe. Thank you. Yes. <laughs>